If you love the blue and white like we do, and you like to stay up to date on what's going on around Ripley High School athletics, make sure you subscribe to this podcast and turn on your notifications. March Madness, but it's February frenzy for high school hoops. I'm Brian Johnson with co-host Mike Rubin, and this is episode 14 of Viking 360. We'll have the latest on Lady Viking basketball and Viking basketball, along with interviews on Ripley Wrestling, a Viking at Stanford, and a longtime Ripley rival. So let's get started. Basketball season came to an end for the Lady Vikings on Wednesday. Parkersburg South was a 20-point winner in the sectional. Ripley finished with a 15-8 record and won 12 of their last 14 games. Mike Rubin had a post-game chat with Coach John Kennedy. Coach, they say that uh, all good things must come to an end, and the season comes to a conclusion tonight at Parkersburg South. Yeah, it does, but... uh... I told the girls after the game that uh, this one game doesn't take away from the season that these girls have had. They can't take away any of those 15 wins that they made. They told the girls as they come off the court, I loved them, proud of them, had a great season. And, and that's all you can do in that situation. You know, the uh, looking at the scorebook, uh, a fairly even uh, first quarter, and then played fairly even in the, in for the majority of the second half. But that second period, we only put two points on the board during that, that second quarter. Yeah, that was a game changer there. We uh, tried making some adjustments there at half, but you're exactly right. That second quarter, they picked up the pressure, and we were trying to run a couple of different offensive sets against them, and they were baiting that second pass, or that first pass, and trying to trap on the sidelines, and uh, that was the difference in the game. That's what the coaching staff we were just talking about in that second quarter. I mean, that was a huge game changer there for us. But. Coach, after the game, you could see a lot of emotion on the on the in the bench area. You had to say goodbye yeah. uh, to to three seniors. Would you care to make a comment on the contributions of uh, uh, your three seniors to to Lady Viking basketball? Yeah, the, those three, Tessa and Jalen and Taylor, um, they've been with me three and four years, you know, and they've been through a lot of adversity over their career. They've got a lot of wins. And uh, those legacies that they've, that these younger girls have had the opportunity to play with these girls for three or four years, or a couple years, uh, they're definitely going to leave their mark on Lady Viking basketball and the program itself and the leadership that all three of them bring to the table. And, you know, when anytime you have a team led by three seniors, you know, you're looking for next year some girls to step up and fill those roles. And I think because of those seniors and what those seniors have passed on, that we're going to be all right next year. We've got girls stepping up. We've got Caitlin Sarver. She's been a starter for us. Lauren Roush has been a starter. You've got some of those younger girls. You've got Kaylee Blackburn, Taylor Moore, you know, that's been in there in the mix with those older girls. And, uh, you know, we'll get some girls coming over from the middle school that's going to fill in some spots for us. And we're going to continue on as much as I hate to say goodbye to those seniors. I mean, it's life, and we just got to move on and prepare the girls the best we can for next year. Well, that's going to 
be the last chapter on the Lady Viking basketball for uh, 2019 as we close the book on the season and reporting live from the Rod Oldham Athletic Center in Parkersburg. This is Mike Rubin for Viking 360. Viking basketball wrapped up the regular season with an 18-point win over Ravenswood and a 15-point victory over Point Pleasant. There are five seniors on this year's team. Brian Johnson had an informal locker room chat with Isaiah Reif, Caden Keeler, Isaac Putnam, Timmy Wickersham, and Isaac Blankenship. Welcome back to Viking 360. We're in the Viking locker room right now, coming off of a big win over the Ravenswood Red Devils. Joined now by the whole Viking senior crew. Let's start with you, Zay. Uh, big win tonight. Uh, I know you guys uh, wanted to get revenge from last year. I know that was a, a tough loss over at the pit. Yeah, this year so much better. This game against Ravenswood, all five seniors come out playing hard. It was amazing. We just dislike Ravenswood so much. We just play hard every time we play them. You know, you, you think about you, you five seniors start, and um, Isaac Blankenship, you started the ball game tonight, and you were on fire from the perimeter. And, and uh, you know, one of my favorite parts of this game was when they introduced you guys on senior night, and you and, and Timmy are kind of going at it when your favorite moment of Viking basketball, and he claims you shooting an air ball. Is that true? Uh, no, I don't believe that is true. But he did, he did get dunked on at a fall game by a big boy. He did get dunked on. We'll give him his moment to rebut that here in a minute. Uh, Keeler, Caden Keeler, off of football season, you guys had a great uh, football run. Basketball, uh, same deal, man. You guys are uh, put yourself in position to make a postseason run. Uh, how much fun has it been for you when you compare the two seasons? Uh, honestly, it uh, it was equal amount of fun. Like I can really say that, you know. Uh, Football team, I got 60 guys. And basketball team, you know, I've got 15 or 20 guys I'm really close with. I uh, didn't really play last year, so, you know, it's been two years since I played. But uh, these guys have accepted me, you know, as one of them. It's like I never missed a beat. And, yeah, I've had a, had a lot of fun this season. Isaac Putnam, your first year here. Uh, we talked to you early on in the season. How much fun has it been for you? I know you bounced around. You were in Virginia last year, I think, back up here at Ripley High School. How much fun has your senior season been? Well, it's been a ton of fun here at Ripley. Everybody's super accepting, and I don't know, it just seems like I've been here all four years, even though it's only been one. And uh, I love all these guys that's on the team just as much as any team I've ever been on, so it's a ton of fun. Timmy Wickersham now uh, my favorite, maybe my favorite guy on the team. you got the best hair on the team. There's no doubt about it. Your chance to come back as Blankenship about being dunked on, is this true? Uh, no, I was never dunked on, but I actually have video proof of his air ball. And, and I was the first one to even put something like that. He was probably going to put something dumb. But. Guys, you guys seem like you have a really good relationship. And Isaac Blankenship, I'll ask you. You guys have played a lot of basketball together and obviously grown up together. Uh, you guys seem to, to have fun. It doesn't really matter who's getting the points and who's getting the – publicity you, you seem to enjoy that for each other mm -hmm. yeah it's fun playing with these guys we've all balled together a lot me and Tim especially at the park me and Kip sometimes at the park and this is uh, Putnam's first year and he's been great to have on the team Yeti I've balled with him for about three years now he's been great so if we go to things outside of basketball so if we talk about let's say 
gaming. What's the game now? I'm I'm old. I'm out of the game. Uh, Fortnite used to be it. What is it now? Let me ask Isaac Putnam. Oh, uh, I heard it's Apex. I don't really play though. But so you're like me. You're an old guy. You're an old soul. Oh, yeah. uh, you're not playing games. You're studying, right? Yes. Who's the gamer? Yeah. Wickersham. Yeah. Who? Uh, so it's Apex. Explain to me what Apex is. Somebody tell me. It's, it's trash. Is what it, <laughs> it's basically Fortnite minus the, the, the tryhards and everything. People that don't sleep, don't have jobs, and work that game 24-7. So you know, I, I, I started playing as a, to get on top of it because it's new. Because when I started Fortnite, everybody else was already top of the level, you know, and I just kept dying. So this was my opportunity to, you know. So who's who's uh, who's your biggest competition for that on here? Is it Keeler? Uh, me and Keeler don't ever really game together because he's got an Xbox. But I mean, gaming, I don't know, because when I'm not playing basketball, I'm always gaming. You know, there's no, there's nothing else that I do. So hidden talents. Can anybody sing? Is there anything we don't know about this guy right here, Isaac Putnam? You want to lay something down for us, acapella? No. <laughs> no. Can you? can. Well, we can't put that on a podcast. I mean, we can maybe video it and put it on YouTube, guys. You've got 11 wins this year. Uh, you're headed toward postseason play next week uh, up at Parkersburg South. We know that now. Um, you lost up there a couple of weeks ago. How locked in? Uh, let me ask you, Yeti. How locked in are you guys going to be? I know this is. Uh, you played a lot of basketball at Ripley High School. You're going to want to win that game. Yeah, our game against South early this season. It was. We weren't ready. We weren't. We came in there thinking we could just go in there and run over them, but we weren't ready to play. But next week it's going to be so much different. We're going to be practicing as hard as we can, focusing on everything they do and going over everything, no matter what. What I'll let any of you guys answer. What would a uh, run in the postseason mean to you if you make it to the Civic Center? Vikings haven't been there in a long time. I'll ask you, Caden. Uh, I, I can remember uh, two years ago when I quit basketball, I, I remember telling my mom and dad, you know, I always wanted the chance to play in the Civic Center, and I never had that opportunity. And uh, coming out this year, you know, we've won a couple big-time games, and we've definitely got a chance to make a run in the postseason. And Civic Center, that, that's definitely where I want to play. So if we make it to the Civic Center, I'll expect you to have a freestyle wrap on Viking 360 uh, prior to the game. Would you uh, Would you go ahead and say you're in for that? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Let's get there, and then we'll talk about it. Let's get there. Guys, congratulations on a great career. Look forward to the next couple of weeks, and uh, we look forward to you guys making a great run. Thanks for taking the time. The sectional begins Wednesday at Parkersburg South. The Patriots finished with a deceiving 6-15 and record. Although they have lost nine of their last ten, that included a win over the Vikings. Arriving in Ravenswood in the late 1970s, Red Devil basketball coach Mick Price has done battle with no less than seven Ripley coaches. Coach Mick Price shares his thoughts on the hatchet of the hardwood with Brian Johnson. Welcome back inside Viking 360. I'm joined now by legendary Ravenswood head coach, Mick Price. Coach, thanks for taking the time. You're welcome. We enjoy being with you guys and appreciate all that you do for uh, athletics in our county. Coach, uh, we're here before the Ripley-Ravenswood game on the hardwood tonight. Uh, uh, both teams' seasons are winding down. We're headed towards sectional play. 
we know what this game means uh, from a Ripley perspective when we look at it. When I look at it, I've, I've played in a few. I've been around uh, several of them. Uh, you've coached against the Vikings in a few of these games. I'm not going to say how many because I don't want to say how old you are because you're only 29, I believe. I'm 29 going on 67. <laughs> <laughs> but Coach, what does this mean from a Ravenswood perspective uh, when you look at this rivalry? Well, when I think of the rivalry, I think it, of it well before I ever came to Ravenswood. Uh, you know, I was told about the rivalry the day I came to Ravenswood and accepted the coaching job. And uh, when I look back at all those teams that played before I ever came to Ravenswood and then the teams that I've coached while being at Ravenswood, it is a good, healthy rivalry. It's a game that everybody in this county, seven miles apart, can come to, and you can sit on one side of the floor or the other, and you can root your heart out for whoever you want to root for, but yet Sunday you can sit at dinner and you can still talk about it or go to church, sit in the same pew or during the summer have a reunion and not get shot at. Because there's a lot of people that are intertwined throughout being a relative or married into a family, or one of them went to Ravenswood, one of them went to Ripley, married a girl from Ripley from Ravenswood. So it goes back a long, a long way. But, and I think that's what makes it great. I think that's what makes it neat, kind of Hatfield-McCoy-like. The other thing that we use it for at Ravenswood is I use it for getting ready for tournaments because I think you're going to have an atmosphere that's going to be both student bodies are going to be up going at it. It's going to be loud. You really got to concentrate. If we screw that up during the game, at least I have a chance to go back before the tournament and say, hey, listen, we didn't, we wouldn't do a very good job mentally. We weren't mentally tough enough. We didn't handle situations right. And as a coach, I can use that. So during, in the prep for this game, I prepped it no different than I would a tournament so that I can see where's my team at and what do I need to do to get ready. Coach, you've won uh, at a high level, state championships. Um, what does that do for your program's growth and the school morale uh, to win at that level? Well, it's been great for our community. You know, uh, sometimes uh, things weren't going so good and sometimes the plants were down or people was out of jobs or something. It's just uplifting. And uh, it was the one thing that everybody could get behind uh, in Ravenswood, and that was our boys' basketball program. And we've really worked really hard at getting there. Now, there's been some years that we lost some tough ones and a chance to get there. Uh, you know, we have three state runner-ups, and we could have won any one of those games. And so, you know, you've got to be lucky, and you gotta be you got to be right at the right time. And I've always told people, you don't have to be the best team in the state, but for 32 minutes, you got to be the best team that day. And we have been fortunate and had great kids come through and really put it on the line. And, uh, you know, we, we're proud of what we've done at Ravenswood, and we're proud of the kids that have come through our program. Win or lose, they're better because of having been in our program. We think they're going to be more productive citizens, just haven't been a part of us. A lot of those guys I'm friends with, you talk about the, the uh, meshing of the two schools and the rivalry and the guys, you know, Ron Varney, Pat Anker, and guys, uh, Pat Akers, guys I still talk to and hang out with that we were bitter rivals uh, back in the day, and that is special uh, because we, even as old guys, can now have a little bit of banter going uh, back and forth between each other uh, the day of the game, and we have fun with it. Oh, yeah, and you, and you talk about it, and you bring it brings up those times. It's kind of like going down the road and listening to 70s on Sirius. You hear a song come up, and you know where you were and what you were doing when that song comes up. Well, the same thing for you guys. It's a great situation when you can talk back and forth because it takes you right back to that day where you know how much it meant to you, and, and it will for these kids that play in this game tonight, as it has for every kid that's played in this game. Coach, you've coached a lot of different sports. You coached football a few years ago at Ravenswood. You've obviously been coaching basketball uh, for a long time. Uh, if you had to pick one of them, uh, what, what would be your favorite? My favorite sport? Well, I was told by a really good coach one day when I was young, coaching's coaching. 
If you can coach, you can coach anything because you have to have discipline, you have to have fine condition, and you have to work on skill level. And if you can do it, you can coach whatever sport you want to coach. Now, when it comes to skill level development, I, w- I would do a team thing. That, I, I like the team concept. So it would be something to do with the team. So, uh, you know, I don't know that I could pick because I love I played baseball, basketball, and football coming up in high school. Played basketball and baseball in college. So I liked them all. But uh, I don't know if I could pick one. But I will tell you this. Ever since I've been a coach, I've given all I've had in every coaching job that I ever had. I'd never wanted those kids to go out and say, God, I wish our coach would have done this or that. And I know they've not all been perfect. But I didn't think just because I was coaching that sport, I wasn't giving it my all. I gave it my all. They don't put your name on the court uh, if you haven't accomplished a lot, Coach. Talk about that. We were there that night when they unveiled that. Talk about what that meant to you uh, personally. I know you don't like to talk about yourself personally. You like to talk more in, in terms of the team. But I know that had to be an emotional moment for you. And it was. And I, and I, when I think of something like that, I think about my family. You know, your family as a coach endures a lot. Uh, you know, you got late nights coming in. you got late suppers that's still in the microwave or in the refrigerator when you come home. You're getting up early. You're going to the gym. You're, you're doing things as a coach. There's so many other things that go into coaching besides sitting on a bench on a Tuesday, Friday night. And that's the easiest part. That's the greatest part. One of my favorite parts of the coaching is the practice part of it. When you say something about my name on the court, I don't think of it too much. I just think of it as, hey, you know, I appreciate it. It's an honor. Maybe someday when I'm done and I'm not passionate about it anymore and I think it's time for me to step away and no one's going to have to tell me. I'll walk across the street and get a glass of milk and a cookie and get downstairs and turn on ESPN. No one's going to have to come and say, it's time for you to get out. I'll know. Maybe then I might be more appreciative. Right now, the only thing I'm worried about is our kids playing as good as they can play, as hard as they can play, as successful as they can be tonight. Coach, if you had to pick a game or a moment in this series, does one stand out to you or is it just the overall series? I mean, I know you've, you've seen a few of them, and that's a tough question, tough spot to put you in. Uh, but if one stands out to you, what would it be? I tell you, we've had, we've had so many great classic games here. And, man, Ripley's had some really, really good players that we played against. I mean, my gosh. In these last few years, look at the kids at Ripley's went to D1 out of here. You know, my gosh. And we've had some great games with them. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I could pick one, but I know that early in my coaching career, we won a game at Ravenswood with one second on the clock and had the ball to go full length of the court. And a guy named Gary Shepard got fouled and had to make two foul shots to win it. And we won that game. And that was early in my coaching career. That was a few, some of the first couple years of that. And, of course, the games are packed. And I think Frank was the coach. Frank Marino was the coach here at that time. But uh, that was one that just started it probably all. And then, and then from there, it was just Katie bar the door. Let's go. You've faced some characters on that Ripley bench over the years. You mentioned Coach Marino. You talk about Coach Harmon. Uh, you've faced off against some, some Ripley coaches over the years, uh, but it's always seemed to me like no matter who was sitting on that bench in the blue and white, you guys always had great respect for one another. Not only had great respect, I mean, we knew each other pretty well. I mean, now when the game's on the line now, the game's on the line. It's time to, it's time to go, and, you know, there's no holes barred at that point. But, you know, I learned many years ago that, you know, you got to put it behind you and go on. Yeah, Frank and I had a pretty good relationship. I mean, you know, uh, I knew how he was. He knew me. Uh, and then, you know, 
uh, Randy Anderson and I had a good relationship when he coached here. And then Craig Harmon and I went to college together. And so, you know, me being in, in Ravenswood and not from this area and him being from Ravenswood and coaching at Ripley, we knew each other well. And I think Luke and Derek is going to do a wonderful job. When Kevin Harris was here, he was a great player here too. And I know he filled in for Evan, Fulton, Evan when he was here. And Evan had some great teams uh, when he was here. So, yeah, there's been some good guys there. But I don't think I ever had animosity toward him as a coach. Uh, I was jealous of some of the kids they had. I thought, man, we'd like to put that kid in a red and black uniform. But, but at the same time, you know, hey, you got what you got. You go play and, and get after it and respect each other when the game's over. And if I can help you, in this game I'm not helping you. But in, and if I can help you in anything we can do, call me, yell at me. I would, I would do that. We're in the same county. You know, we're not, you know, bitter enemies. And, Coach, finally, before I let you go, uh, you're not only a coach, you're also a broadcaster. I listen to you, I listen to you and, and, uh, and Mark do those games on Friday nights when, when I have an opportunity. You guys do a tremendous job, and, uh, you know, I hope you don't take my job someday. Let me tell you something right now. I've carried Mark Martin so many times on those broadcasts. He's got an Emmy, uh, all kind of stuff. He's got all kind of awards from that. And he'll buy me a Diet Coke on the way home. And then I don't understand. Mark is like a brother. He is first class. He does a top-notch job. He makes it easy to do the games with him. And I'm telling you, he, he's great. He's the most – he is so prepared for games that I feel an ep when I'm, I'm with him. But, um, you know, we have a good mesh. And, and you know, uh, this, this year I couldn't do it after the first game because my wife got very sick. And so we had a lot of – you know, I had to take care of that that situation with her but maybe next year we can get to do it again but yeah that was fun doing that part of it and I got a lot to see a lot of other coaches that I've known that I didn't get to see that way so yeah it was fun and I'll never have to take your job so don't worry about it. you're way better than me I don't know about that coach thanks so much for the time we wish you nothing but the best of luck uh we hope we win tonight but if we don't we're we're more than happy to bow out to to coach Mick Price's team because we certainly have a lot of respect for you and your program. Well, thanks a lot, man. We'll give it our best shot. We'll try to make it a good one here tonight. Thanks, Coach. You've been listening to Ravenswood head coach Mick Price on Viking 360. Eight Ripley High wrestlers are in Huntington this weekend competing in the 72nd annual West Virginia Wrestling Championship. Coach Matt Smith spoke about one of the truly special events in high school sports. We're here with uh, Coach Matt Smith. Coach, we, we have talked before about the difficulty that you put together each year with the Viking wrestling schedule. Whether it be the, a single-A team, a double-A team, or a triple-A team, you wrestle all the top teams in West Virginia. Um, now, now that we're in the States, does that get you better prepared for what's to come? Oh yeah, it definitely does. We try to give them you know matches that are going to challenge them every time and if you go out and you're just wrestling the same people every week and it's um you know you're beating the same people every week you don't really find out where you're at and i really don't want them to go in the state tournament questioning where they're at um or even it being a debate of any kind i'd rather them see you know as many people as they can as many styles as they can some different matchups even if they're double a or single a um or even out of state and we won't wrestle them at the state tournament i'd rather them get that feel to where um when they get in a match they're they've kind of wrestled everybody that they can. Have you had a chance to uh, study the first round pairings and how those look for the Vikings this year? Um, we look the first round, but it, typically it's one of those things I, I we look at them and just say, okay, here's who we got, um, and kind of go from there. Um, some guys have some guys they've wrestled before. Some guys have some really tough guys they've wrestled before. But um, 
you know, the biggest thing is just going out and getting prepared um, and wrestling your first round match rather than looking to the second round or um, the semis or something like that um, and overlook somebody in the first round. Um, really with the pairings that we've got, I don't think our guys are necessarily worried so much about the later rounds like some other guys may have been in the past. Um, you know, with these guys, they're, they know they've got some good guys in the first round and, um, you know, they're getting ready for those guys. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been a pretty mixed bag. We've got, we've got um, several of our guys finished third and fourth in the region, which means they get a, um, either a champion in another region or a second in another region. Um, and in some cases, um, that didn't work out. That didn't work up to be a too big of a deal. Um, uh, but at the same time, we do have tough matches in every every or every every weight class. So um, we'll see how it goes. But uh, looking forward to it. Matt, the state wrestling tournament is certainly nothing new to you. You've been there as a wrestler. You've been there now for a number of years as a coach. But for somebody who is experiencing the state wrestling tournament for the first time, describe what that's like and what they're going to go through uh, when they go down to the uh, big Sandy Superstore Arena. Well, one thing that we do that um, we try to prepare them for that is we go to WSAZ. We've, we've done that for the last few years. Um, and it gives the guys that haven't been there a chance to go there and compete. Um, if they get to middle school, at least they get to go see the arena and they get to kind of be in the, have the same general experience that they would at the state tournament. Um, of course, the states are a little bit different in the standpoint of, you know, there's a lot more on the line, a lot more riding on it. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's it's it can be overwhelming, um, especially the first time you're there. But it's just a matter of realizing it's just a it's another tournament, it's another match. It's just going out and competing, um, laying on the line and see where you're at. And um, you know, I think most of our guys kind of understand that, and they're um, even the guys that are are newer, um, you know, experience-wise or haven't qualified to the state tournament before, which we, you know, had a few guys qualify last year that qualified again, and um, several guys that are new that qualified this year. Um, you know, I think they've all got a pretty good mindset and they've got a good understanding of what they're what they're expecting and what what they need to do um, once they get down there. And like I said, it's just one of those things where and the tournament's a little bit more spread out. You're over three days, so you've only got a, a match or two or three, you know, each day at most. And um, that's a little bit of a change. You know, normally you have, you know, you can sometimes get four or five matches in a day, um, but you just got to make sure that you're really focusing on that match. You know, just because, you know, with it being like, especially the first day is only one round, so you know, that you don't have a warm-up match. You don't have a match you can go out and take it easy, get ready um, in it, and then go out and wrestle the next one hard. You're going to have to do the same thing the next day. So it's just a matter of going out, and getting getting prepared to warm up, getting mentally ready, and then going out and competing. Viking wrestling coach Matt Smith. Good luck in Huntington, coach. Thanks, appreciate it. This former Ripley High student athlete has gone from a childhood across the world to becoming an academic whiz at one of America's most prestigious colleges. Brian Johnson has a conversation with Eldrick Millares. Welcome back inside Viking 360. I'm joined now by former Viking Eldrick Millares. Eldrick, thanks for being with us, buddy. Thank you so much, Brian. Honored to be on the show. Hey, my friend. It's been a while since you've been back in town. Um, you're out in Stanford, California right now, attending Stanford University, doing great things. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, your situation. I believe you told me you're a senior right now. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I am uh, currently a senior uh, in winter quarter at Stanford University. Um, I'm studying electrical engineering. I've been accepted to the master's program uh, in electrical engineering, and I'm currently working at a venture-backed startup, and we're doing um, uh, sensors for self-driving vehicles. 
So lifestyle in Stanford, California, a, a bit different than Kenna, West Virginia. Is that fair to say? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, there's been two big culture shocks in my life. One was definitely when I went from the Philippines to West Virginia when I was seven, and one when I left West Virginia to come out here to the West Coast <laughs> at the end of high school. Eldrick, all of these life uh, things that have happened to you, all of these events in your life, you know, moving from the Philippines uh, to West Virginia, not speaking English, uh, doing what you had to do and, and being the student that you were. I mean, I believe you, did you finish first in the class at Ripley high school? Uh, That's correct. Your senior year. That's correct. Uh, and then going on to a, a renowned university that's known for its education, uh, and doing great things there. I mean, you've, you've had a, uh, an interesting life. I mean, if you look at the timeline of, of how things have unfolded for you and, and all the things that you've learned, uh, talk a little bit about that. I mean, not many people, uh, can speak from a, um, a, a lifestyle or a, uh, a worldly way as you can, as much as you've seen in such a short period of time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I think it'd be uh, great to start this off with, you know, telling it from the beginning, uh, I was born in the Philippines, and I grew up in this uh, very small uh, part of the of the southern region of the Philippines. So not Manila or Luzon, if you're ever familiar with the city. Not there at all. I'm talking like the country, right? The, like yeah, the word boondocks. <laughs> yeah, the word yeah. boondocks yeah. actually comes from the Filipino word boondock, which means mountain. So yeah. I was out there. <laughs> right. And um, I moved when I was seven um, to Kenna, West Virginia, of all places, not speaking English at all. And I remember how tough it was to, you know, make friends, try and fit in when you're the only person at Kenna Elementary that doesn't look like everybody else. <laughs> right. Sure. <laughs> and it, it, it was tough. Um, I think a big part of that, actually, because I was so afraid to talk and speak that that made me um, uh, really, really be, uh, I was much more of an introverted person when I was a child because I, I would read a lot of books to try and familiarize myself with the language. Um, and I loved reading. And um, uh, even though I couldn't pronounce the words, you know, out loud. Um, sure. and, and, and that changed right around maybe the beginning of middle school when I realized, you know, I, I was losing the accent and I, I loved words. I loved reading, science, studying. And uh, that really carried me on all throughout um, high school. But I think the most interesting part about growing up in West Virginia is that I, I after coming here to Stanford, realizing what everybody else grew up around, is that I really had that kind of all-American childhood that uh, a, a lot of people like, you know, from from like the more urbanized areas didn't, didn't, don't really have. I mean, I grew up, I, I played Ripley High football. You know, I, I was uh, involved in a lot of like the, the, the student council things all throughout high school. Uh, it really was a classic American childhood for this Filipino boy who found himself in the middle of West Virginia. <laughs> talk yeah. about talk about your experience as a football player. I was always struck by you. Um, you played on, on almost every uh, special team, punt team, kickoff <laughs> team. Uh you were always the in the right place at the right time, um, you know, and that speaks a lot to your preparation and how you how you go about everyday life. And and as a high school student, you know, it's hard to get high school football players to follow directions. <laughs> you know, you're supposed <laughs> yeah, to be absolutely. here. You're supposed to be here. X goes here. Y goes here. I was always yeah. struck by you, man. You were always prepared and you were always in the right place. And you made some some big time plays and some big time hits in moments when the team needed you. Yeah, that was a uh, Ripley high football has been a, was an interesting period of my life for sure. In terms that like, I learned a lot of lessons there that have <laughs> continued to carry me forward, you know, all throughout life. I'm sure every football player will tell you this, but I think mine comes from a more different place. So yeah, I, 
played on, you know, a bunch of special teams uh, um, yeah. in my underclassman years. Uh, I started defense uh, in my senior year. Uh, you know, I got to play against uh, in, in the Ravenswood game. God, that was awesome. In 2015, yeah. Uh, or 2014, winter of 2014. But um, I think the big, biggest part of it is that I always felt like I had a chip on my shoulder. I always felt like I had to be two times better than everybody else just to be on the same playing field with them. And, you know, that comes from, you know, not being the biggest person, you know, you know, you're right. Uh, you know, not, not the country boy that, you know, grew up, uh, you know, bailing hair, whatever. Yeah. And uh, I, I think I really came to football from a different place than a lot of my peers did maybe more of a, like a cerebral, cerebral place, you know, thinking, you know, I, I really had to, you know, think more and, uh, and, and plan and strategize uh, much more because I didn't have such a physical asset when I played. Um, but it taught me a lot about discipline and just, you know, putting your head down and working through it when things get hard and, you know, managing morale. Uh, even now, it's still applicable now, you know, taking grad level courses, working in a, you know, in a, in a small company, you know, going up against these giants, right? You know, people who are already in the industry and, uh, right. you know, trying to figure out how can you move faster? How can you be smarter than everybody else? How can you think differently in order to come at it? Um, yeah, working. That's what it came out of. Working as a team, obviously, uh, you know, something, uh, one team working towards the same goal, you're, you're kind of sensing that a little bit in the workplace now. I get the idea. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You, you talk about uh, transition from into, to Kenna, West Virginia, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, learning the language, uh, in, you know, learning how to, to interact with the kids that were your age and you were in school with. Not mm -hmm. probably a lot different than transitioning from the time you gave the speech at Ripley High School, walked across the stage, got your diploma, went to Stanford, California, became <laughs> a student at Stanford University. Obviously, the language barrier, not the same, but mm -hmm. definitely a difference in life, style, and, and, uh -oh. and uh, just the way that you had to live your life at that point. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I um. You know, there's this like term that uh, keeps coming back to my mind every time I think about all these transitions. And it's this uh, idea called code switching, where you really change out your, your mindset, the words that you use, even, you know, the, the inflections of the accents that you use whenever you're with uh, the different groups of people that you're at. And I've had to do that, you know, my, my entire life, you know, coming from the Philippines and being with my family, all my family's still back in the Philippines, you know, it's just me, right. um, my mom, you know, my, and now uh, I've got my, my stepdad here and my, uh, my little half brother. But, um, you know, every time I go home, it's just a different mindset uh, and a different, uh, you know, di of course, different vocabulary, uh, different values, you know, different things that people emphasize when I, where, wherever I'm at, whether I'm back in the Philippines or back in uh, West Virginia where I'm here. The biggest transition by far was that you realize everybody else, you know, you, you think maybe you're, 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 you're something hot when you're in high school, you know, you're doing well, excelling your classes. Once you come out here, you realize that you're now going toe to toe against the elite of the world. And I right. mean that people who went to boarding schools, people whose parents, I mean, there are people here who are actual royalty, you know, they're, right. they, uh, <laughs> they're the yeah. royalty from other countries. Um, you know, it, I mean, people from other nations are sending their best to institutions like Stanford, like Harvard, like MIT, because, uh, you know, they want to be able to tap into that network. And I mean, the, I, you know, my freshman year, it really did take me a little bit off guard because you realize that, you know, you're, you're not used to just being 
the the top performer, the top score every time. Instead, you're going against these kids that have been studying differential, uh, you know, equations or linear algebra since they were, you know, your age when, when uh, you know, maybe eighth grade or something like that, right? Right. When, whenever you were like, you know, trying out for football or whatever, they were <laughs> out there, yeah. you know, taking all these advanced classes, having tutoring. And you really, again, it's, a, it's this whole idea of having to step up and being twice as much as what you thought you'd have to be in order to just be on that same playing field with them. Um, you know, and now like, you know, it, it, I, I think I get a lot of this like imposter syndrome at times, whenever I do switch to these different places, it feels like, you know, do I really belong here? And I, I have asked myself that like my whole life, you know, even though all the evidence um, maybe present itself on the contrary, you, you can't help but always feel like, you know, you're faking it a little bit and like, you don't really deserve to be here with everybody else. And, and uh, that's always been a nagging feeling. And it, and it really is an active uh, thing to try and shake that off. So what? Um, so what would you say, outside of the books and outside of the classroom, what would you say this experience has taught you the most about yourself? God, that is a great question. I think the biggest thing is that I, I, I you know, throughout all these experiences, you know, I've been in, I've been across the world now. Uh, after the four years, I've been, I, you know, I spent three months in Berlin. I was in Taipei. I even spent the last three months, I was in Hawaii actually doing field work, stuff like that. And the biggest thing that I, is that, you know, I can really adapt to anything and that I really just have to trust in myself that, you know, I'll, I'll see my way through. Um, I think one of the biggest like guiding compasses in my life has been this like sense of adventure, you know, like that sounds, you know, really fun and promising, challenging. And, um, you know, I, I think, I've realized now that like that, that fear and that trepidation that you might have in doing like doing an undertaking like that is what uh, I've listened to and what I learned to trust and follow. And, you know, that's, that's why where I am now, you know, working in this, uh, you know, startup that, you know, might be gone next week or we might, you know, have, you know, win the world there right. uh, and, and start this revolution in technology. And, and it's just been really exciting. Do you keep in contact with any of your old teammates or any of your, of your old classmates oh. from Ripley? I know you do Trevor Tucker because that's how I ended up connecting with you. But uh, some of the guys or, or gals that you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm so close to a lot of people from the team. Those are a lot of people who are like my, my lifelong friends there. Um, you know, Trevor up in the Naval Academy is doing great. Um, I keep in touch with him. We go skiing every time I come home uh, in the winter. Uh, I'll be flying back out in October for one of my friends who's on the team, Adam Bailey. I'll be flying back for his wedding wow. uh, in October or so, you know, uh, and I keep in touch with everybody else who's, you know, doing awesome things out there. I know Holly Farkas, she was in the top 10 in my class. Uh, she's, you know, doing great stuff in med school. She's already in med school. And uh, I, I do a pretty good job in keeping in touch with them. And actually, some of them have visited me out here, which is really nice. <laughs> yeah. So. So before I let you go, a lot of current students listen to this podcast, a lot of uh, up and coming students. If you had a message uh, for any of these students at Ripley that, uh, you know, want them to know sky's the limit for you, what would it be? Oh, man. I mean, it is really exactly that message. You know, I, I was talking earlier about how you feel might feel like a fake or something like that. But there's this huge community here at Stanford and other schools that are first generation, you know, first in their family go to college or they're low income kids, you know, man, don't let don't let any of that fear if you're trying to, you know, get out of the state and, uh, you know, get an education or play sports outside the state. Don't don't let any of that, uh, you know, keep you from doing it. They have great financial aid programs and, you know, the whole the whole like nation wants kids coming out of West Virginia and, you know, training them to be future leaders. 
Um, I, you know, I, I really feel that uh, emphasis. I'm the only person from West Virginia in my class here at Stanford. In the class of 2019, I'm the only one. There's more people from Nepal. There are two <laughs> people from Nepal <laughs> than there are from West Virginia. Well, I'm telling you, they're looking for leaders to come out of every state. That's a big part of the of, of the mission statement of a lot of undergrad programs is that you know they they want to show this diversity that they're sourcing people not just from the elite that I was talking about earlier because they want this unconventional uh, you know thought processes mindsets and you definitely qualify for that as somebody who grew up in Appalachia. Um, and again, you know, I don't, I don't know how appropriate it would be to leave my contact information for anybody who's, you know, wants to ask question, questions about that, but I, I'd be happy to do that. That'd be great. Uh, you know, anyone listening, I, I do have his info. And if you are interested, just get a hold of Ruberi and, and we'd be more than happy to do that. Eldrick, thank you so much for the time, my friend. And uh, certainly, we cherish our time with you. I, I remember interviewing you a couple of times, and was, it was always a treat, man. I mean, you always made me sound much more intelligent than I actually am, and I appreciate that. But best of luck to you. Uh, we know you're going to do Thank great. You, we know you're going to do great things, and, and keep in touch with us. We look forward to hearing from you again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you. That'll do it for episode 14 of Viking 360. Remember, if you like what you're listening to, make sure you subscribe and turn on your notifications. Until next time, we'll see you around.